I'm Chief Cheryl Victorian. This is Waco PD on the beat. Whether it's crime or just getting to know the Waco Police Department, we're here to talk about things that matter most to you. Hello, Waco. I'm Officer AJ Smith, the Crime Stoppers Coordinator for McLennan County. Welcome to Waco PD on the beat. I'm one of your hosts. Yes, yes. Sorry, I almost ran over you there for a second. I'm Sierra Shipley. (laughs) The public information officer for the Waco Police Department. Sorry, we're a little hyped because we just got done playing a really fun game. Yeah. That we'll talk about in a second. But first, let's introduce Officer Anita Gomez. A referee. Our referee. And our, our guest on the podcast today. Yes. Hello, Waco. <laughs> I'm Officer Gomez with the Waco Police Department. Hello. Well, thanks for joining us here on this podcast. Um, yeah, we started this new game. that It's that, that word game where you have to count down from three. And you have to try and say the same word at the same time. It's a TikTok thing. Apparently. Uh, I had never heard of it. Yes. It's awesome. Anita and yeah. I have the best score so far as in three rounds. Yes. We said the definitely. same word. We would demonstrate, but Sierra and I were here for about 30 minutes trying to also beat that record. And it took like 100 tries. So Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. But anyway. Strictly police things on the podcast. Not yes. important. Not important. Let's talk about, let's talk about you, Officer Gomez. So... You, well, I kind of already know a little bit of your story because we record these a little earlier in advance, but during the month of March, we had Women's History Month and we posted some videos about women officers in our department. And so some people might know a little bit of your story, but we can get more in depth here. And you didn't start here in Waco. No, I didn't. I started back in um, Garden City, Kansas. Garden in Kansas City? anymore, are we? Yeah, 30 miles <laughs> away from Dorothy's land. <gasps> oh, my really? goodness. Yes. That's awesome. I like that. So, and you weren't, you, you've always wanted to be a police officer, right? But it took you a few years to get here. Yes. Um, I knew I wanted to do something in reference to being more um, able to be there for the community to help. Um, I had a rough upbringing. Um and I was also a, a mom at a very young age. Uh, I know I needed to do something in reference to, I was a single mom at that, uh, that I needed to do something to um, show an example to my children. I didn't want my children to fall in, li- in line with prior generations, with um, just working in the fields, um, hotels, fast food restaurants. Uh, I wanted to show them that... Um, where there's a will, there's a way. And all you have to do is work hard and get it. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So how, so what other jobs did you have before the police department? And how excited were you to finally be able to get into law enforcement when you did? Okay, so uh, throughout, as I was growing up, of course, I had house cleaning positions, uh, fast food places. Uh, I also worked in the fields, what we called migrant seasonal workers. We were, my family we're going state to state. We would go to uh, Texas, Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming, Kansas, uh, just to work depending on the agricultural needs at that time. Uh, we would start a school at one state, but we would never finish at that state. We would go to another school to finish, another state to finish that year of the school. So it was hard. It was hard um, growing up that way. So, um, I'm sorry, I don't know if I went off the question. <laughs> no, you're good. I was just asking about your previous work and how okay, excited so, you were. So did the agricultural work. Uh, then um, kind of pretty much I lived off of assistance. Um, 
And I know that, that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, living like that and showing that to my kids. Uh, I had dropped out of school when I was in eighth grade. I had my first child when I was 13 and, and quit school to take care of him. Um, wasn't the best option at that time. I mean, at that time it was the best option, but I knew that that was not going to be beneficial in the long run. So as I got older, I ended up going back to school, got my GED, and went to college. Uh, from there, I set goals for myself while in college to get administrative training within the college. The college hired me to do some office work. Um, I also became a math tutor while I was in college. Uh, so just setting up small goals, and then from there, uh, there was a program called SER, S-E-R, uh, in Kansas, and they dealt with migrant seasonal workers, what we were when I was growing up. And because I had that background, uh, they took me in as far as assisting me with paying for most of my college, uh, getting that on-the-job training. Uh, and when I graduated, it just so happens that that same uh, co corporation, Sarah Corporation, reached out to me and said, hey, you've done wonderful in school. You've done wonderful with all this job training. We are looking for a, a there's a position open. Could, would you be willing to apply for it? Uh, and pretty much it's, it's helping people um, that are seasonal migrant workers to kind of educate them and, and show them that it's really important to stay put in one place, not only beneficial for for the parents, but more so for the children, so that they have that opportunity to go to one school, graduate, and not continue that cycle of the seasonal migrant worker. So um, I had an opportunity to meet a lot of people that way, seasonal workers that were in the same boat that I was. I also I met with a lot of uh, what we call vendors, uh, employers. Um, I you know went to places that could assist people with clothing, clothing food, housing, uh, and on-the-job training. So uh, that's what I did. And when I did that, that w I did that for several years. But I knew I wanted to do more. So then I applied with Garden City, Kansas, uh, for a police position there. Um, but at first, I knew um, prior to be applying there, I knew I needed to get my foot in the door to learn the terminology of policing, how things are re being ran. I was a dispatcher first, and then I became a police officer. Okay. And then I got married, and here I am in Waco. <laughs> Very so that's good. What so I was gonna say. That's what brought me to Waco. Okay. Yes, I met my husband. Uh, he was working at what would they call a, a huge meat plant in Garden City. That's where I met him. We got married, and uh, he brought me to Waco. I left the law enforcement over there and then came to work over here. I worked a little bit at the... Um, uh, what do they call that housing off of um, Herring? Methodist Children Home. Okay. Uh, in, in hopes of getting back into law enforcement. Um, in all rationale, my husband really didn't want me to go back into law enforcement, but then he pretty much said, you know, I know how happy that made you when we were in Kansas. Um, I, you know, pretty much, I waited a little bit because uh, I saw his concern. Uh, from there, then I started working um, at a clinic. Uh, being, um, I got certified for um, physical therapist assistant. So I worked for five years as a physical therapist assistant. But I still, in my the back of my mind, I wanted go to go back to law enforcement. So I applied and put in for it. Did, did the testing, 
Uh, and here I am today, 14 years later. That's awesome. <laughs> Very yes. good. So when you had that, you know, kind of lull in between your two law enforcement careers, I mean, you said it was always in the back of your head. Was it always just, were you excited to get back? What was that feeling oh. like when you got back? Oh, yes. I was excited. Now, I was, I'm not going to say that, you know, it, it was, I want to say, let me, about eight years difference. So there was a, there was a, there was that gap there. Um, when I, uh, it wasn't that easy. I was a little bit older in my early forties. Uh, and so things were a little bit harder. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I did, I did everything that I could to make sure that I succeeded in it. I was excited. Um, it wasn't easy, but you know, all good stuff is not easy. You have to work hard for what it is that you want in life. And so I, uh, coming back into it, interacting with the community, um, to me it was every day is something different. You know, there's a saying that says you think you've seen it and heard it all. Well, it's that way in this position. You don't see it all and you don't hear it all. You pretty much every day is something new. So that's the excitement that I love. Uh, whether it be good, whether it be bad. Um, and that's, I guess, with every single officer, maybe they, that they can relate as reference to, um, is it's, I wouldn't say just the adrenaline rush. It's just the fact that you know you, you go home knowing that you did something good or that, that, that not only good, but you protected someone. Uh, just the, that feeling when you go home. Uh, my husband and I didn't have any kids. Uh, I had three adult kids at that time already. By the time I married my husband, he had three adult daughters himself. Uh, so we didn't have any kids. And so I lived and breathed Waco PD for, for several years before I had my set of twins. But so I know um, it's, it's an excitement that you don't know until you're on this side. It's uh, the fulfillment. Right. That you, that, that you serve the community, and um, I don't think I could do any other job. Mm-hmm. This is where I think I will retire, right. hopefully. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Waco Police Department Crime-Free Housing Program is designed to build a partnership between police and owners or managers of rental properties to keep drugs and other illegal activity off property. This program calls on management to make steps toward providing a clean and safe living environment for the citizens of Waco by asking them to spend a little time and a little money to benefit their residents. This will also benefit the property managers as well. For more information on the crime-free housing program, visit the Waco Police Department website at wacopolice.com. Well, and we've talked about on this podcast before, so when you start here, the rookies have to go through, you know, and then you go through patrol for four years. Is that something you had to do, or did you, were you put on the fast track plan because you were an officer before in the past, or was so, that gap too long? That was that gap was too long. Yeah, but I did uh, uh, completing completing my 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 probationary period. I waited a couple of years. I did test uh, my two uh, units that I was very passionate about. You know, once I made it into the department, were the crimes against children that we call CAC and uh, the domestic violence unit, which is the family violence unit in this department. Uh, a lot of my extra training that are, that are not required by the state have been in those two units. As far as anything that had to do with those two units, I was on that training, even if it was outside training from the police department. 
because I, like I said, I came into this department, into this field to help. And I feel, and I'm not saying that the males are not very, very, like they don't, they don't need our help. Um, but I feel that I wanted to be that voice for these children. Uh, I wanted to make sure that the report was done to the best of my ability to be able to get justice for that child. The same thing for a domestic violence victim, whether it be a male or a female. Um, so that is um, what I live for in this job is, is to do the best. Um, so uh, I tested for those two positions. Um, unfortunately, there were better candidates to me at that time. Uh, I continued my career in, uh, in patrol in South Waco. I did pretty much all of my career in South Waco. Um, I then made day shift finally almost after 12 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which is kind of on the low end of the yes. spectrum there. You got yes. there a little quicker than some. Yeah, oh. so 12 years. I don't think because uh, now that I'm – after I made day shift, there's been other officers that have, haven't been here that not even 10 years and already made it. That's true. This and last year there's been a lot of people with like yeah. 10 and under. Yes, and so I was like, wow. But um, after I made day shift, um, I got injured. Uh, was out for a bit and um, came back to light duty and the position for neighborhood engagement team opened up. And uh, at the same time, the crimes against children position opened up. But upon talking to uh, Commander Wallace and Sergeant Long, asking questions in reference to what the neighborhood engagement team was going to be all about because it was a brand new unit, I got really excited because it would allow me to inter interact with the community in a very different manner. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a totally different. I mean, it's a whole new unit we've yes, got here. Yes, yeah. yes. And so um, interacting with the community and, and building that relationship with the community, um, you know, being out in patrol, we don't really get to do. We go, we're what they consider call takers. There's calls holding. Try to get your, you know, um, your information so you could do your report. Uh, you know, as fast as you can, but at the same time, as thorough as you can. And so you don't have that time to interact with the community, to bond with that community um, in a different level. And so that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. So. And so how long have you been in the net unit? Well, uh, we started on January the 3rd of this year. Very good. And how many? So we've... Uh, We'll have a, uh, actually, we'll have a neighborhood association president come on um, later in the month. But how, what neighborhood, so neighborhoods are you a part of? Oh, I can't get my words out. <laughs> what so neighborhoods they, are you a part of? <laughs> <laughs> so they assigned us each uh, multiple uh, associations. Uh, I have three that are active. Uh, let's see, Oakwood, um, uh, Sanger Heights, and... Uh, Right now I went blank, but I, I know that there's three active. So far, unfortunately, I've only had the privilege to go to one of them, one of the neighborhood association meetings, and that was Sanger Heights. That was my very first one. And waiting for the other ones to, you know, to come on board as far as schedule their, t um, uh, I guess, their meetings for me to be able to go. Um, but definitely I'm excited um, going to that meeting. I went, you know, um, they heard their concerns about their neighborhood. Uh, they wanted to know in reference to, you know, what we could do to assist them with speeders, with loud music, all these discharges that we've been having, um, uh, gang violence. Uh, they just had a lot of concerns um, that I uh, 
hopefully and within their next meeting be prepared to answer their questions and see what we could do to assist that neighborhood yeah absolutely yeah. and you know it's kind of like a good direct line of communication to you instead of having to call the department wait for someone to call them back and then ask their question it's just directly to you so yes you know if someone's listening and has a neighborhood association they should probably call and get you guys to come out there let you know when the meetings are and yes so what we do is every Friday, uh, the neighborhood engagement, uh, not the team, but the neighborhood engagement uh, directors for the city of Waco, which is uh, Mallette Harrison and Rolando Rodriguez, uh, on Fridays send us a list of the upcoming neighborhood meetings. So we wait for that, and we put it on our calendars, and we try to make connections. With this last meeting that I went to, first and last meeting that I went to, the uh, I handed out my business card to make sure, you know, hey, feel free to call me, contact me, email me. I provided my office number, my cell phone number uh, for any concerns or questions even before the next meeting. Uh, so uh, just making that connection. I know that my other fellow officers that are in this unit, the other four, uh, have been more active than I have uh, for the simple fact, like I said, um, their neighborhood associations, uh, most of theirs are, are active. Uh, now, I know that three of mine are not active, but that's something that myself and the neighborhood engagement directors for the city are going to work together on to trying to get them active. Our ride-along program is a great opportunity to get to know what it's like to be an officer for a day. By simply filling out an application, you can ride in a patrol car with an officer on duty to see what it's like to serve and protect your community. You cannot, however, ride if you have an active warrant. The ride-along program is monitored based on COVID-19 cases. Currently, cases have been low enough to reopen this program. And we request that you ride along for a minimum of two hours, and rides are not available on Thursdays. But for additional guidelines on submitting a ride-along request, you can visit the Waco Police Department and ask for a ride-along form. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's great. And so what would you say that your favorite part about being an officer is? I know the general question, the general answer to that is we like to help people, right? But what, what about for you going on beyond helping people? What is, why is it so important that you're an officer and you're here to help the community? Being that role model. Role model not only for the Hispanic population, but for the girls, the women out there. Um, that role model. I have uh, gone to calls, been in patrol, uh, sitting, seeing these little girls look up at me and they're like, oh, wow, you know, you're an officer. And more so with the Latinas, you know, the, the mothers. Um, in the Hispanic population, me growing up, um, you're, you're raised thinking, okay, your place is at home having babies, taking care of your husband, and taking care of your family and your home. Uh, but for them to see that a female officer is out there, not only a female, a Latina officer is out there, they're like, oh, wow, I can do that. you know. And so that, that that's what I love. I love being that role model for these children. When did you realize that you were that role model? Did you know you were going to have to be, you know, because we kind of, we know that we're, the good citizens of society and we're held to the highest standard and things like that. But do you sometimes forget until you look down at those little girls and they're looking up at you with their wide eyes and you're like, Oh my. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, I know, uh, I have grandchildren. Uh, when I first started this, um, uh, position here in Waco 14 years ago, I had, um, four grandsons 
that were, I think the oldest at that time was eight. Um, and just the look in their faces when they saw me in full uniform, I knew if I, you know, they saw me with, with, how do you like, wow, that's my grandma, you know, <laughs> kind of look and, 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 and their jaws dropped, you know, like, oh, wow. And I knew I was like, oh, wow, if I can look at my grandbaby's face and see that, that, wow, she is a cop or a police officer and then going out in the field and calls that, you know, sometimes we go to call, we would go to calls that just, you know, what we would consider information only, you know, or just tonight with no report, just something simple that, that they wanted us to answer. And you go to a house and the house is full of children and they're all excited that, you, you know, you go out, you, we hand out stickers, we get down to their level, we speak to them you know, let them know, hey, we're not the bad guys, we're the good guys, you know, we're here to help you, don't ever be afraid to call us. And just looking at their faces, it would, it was like instantly, when I first got pinned, it was instantly just the looking of my grandbaby's faces. That's awesome. And you said it too, being a Latina female, mm-hmm. how important is it for, for you in this role specifically to be there for those women? Uh Pretty much that, especially I, I know that, um, like I said, I had, I was a mom at 13 and at that age I was like, oh wow, you know, not only am I a seasonal, uh, migrant worker and have dead end jobs that, you know, um, that weren't going to get me anywhere. At one point in my life, I did think, okay, yeah, this is what my life is going to be. But at the same token, I'm like, well, no, not if I don't let it be. It ha- I have to make that move. I, I got to want it so bad. And this is one of the phrases that I tell my, my grandkids and I told my older kids and I tell my twins now. In order for you to succeed in this world, you got to want it so bad that you can taste it. Okay, just remember those words. And one of the things that I've told my older kids before they moved out of the house, you know, I want you to have the education. I want you to have the opportunity. I don't want you to have to struggle the way I did. But if you have to... Just know that it can be done. Um, and I would always tell them, you know, hey, your time is time for you to go and move on and, and, and blossom. I would tell them, hey, sink or swim, fly or dive. You know, that's, that's and so seeing my older kids be successful, uh, be on their own, they have never come back after they moved out. <laughs> and that was, that was one of my goals is to make sure that they were successful as adults. Um, so, I mean, I think my thing as far as to show the Latinas out there is, especially the young moms, single moms, is that you could be anything you can in this world. I remember, uh, a phrase that one of my teachers when I was in eighth grade before I dropped out in math, and that is Mr. Smith. I will never forget him. Um, he came up to me. He saw that I was, I was different. You know, I had a child getting ready to drop out. He knew that. And um, and he came up to me and he says, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't because you can. And I know that you have what it takes to make it in this world. You just got to want it. Oh, that's incredible. So that's what I think about when I go out and I connect with these children. If I can make that impact like he did to me, to another child, that's like the best reward. Yeah, that's ever. good. I got chills. You're gonna make me cry a little bit. 
some emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> That is, that is that is great that you even know that. And just to show that that's been so so many years ago, too. Yes. And you still remember that? Yes, in his name. I, it's just like, it's because, I mean, I grew up with a, a big family. There are seven of us. And, you know, my, so you go, uh, seasonal migrant workers that we were, um, my parents, my mom and my stepdad really didn't have a lot of time to devote to us or to, to praise us. And that, to me, I took it and I ran with that, uh, even though, you know, I, yeah, I was a single mom. And I think that's one of the things that in my life I would remember that. I know I can because he said I could. And so if he believed in me, someone that didn't know me that well, I was just a student, then imagine the impact that I could have out here with these children, giving them that advice, giving them hope is more than anything that I could ever imagine doing. If I can change one life, that's very rewarding to me. But my goal is to change a lot of lives. <laughs> that's awesome. It's awesome and admirable. Absolutely. Now, do you know, because you obviously, like you said, you weren't a, a law, in law enforcement right away. Did your kids know you wanted to be an officer? Or yes. was it just something that no. you should have? No, they knew. A big part of me wanted to wait till my kids got older because I was a single mom. And I knew what the risks were in, in law enforcement. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times I didn't know how my kids would react once I actually, because when I, once I actually became in Kansas, I still had one of my kids at home. He was 11. And to him was kind of like, that was kind of odd. You know, how could you be a cop? Mom, don't come to my, my school. Don't come to my school. <laughs> and now he's like, yeah, that's my mom. As an adult, that's my right. mom. And and I didn't have that, that same reaction with my uh, grandchildren. Like I said, they looked at me and then that glow in their face and their jaw dropped and they saw grandma in full uniform. <laughs> that's so cool. Grandma in full uniform. I love yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. And so now my youngest, grand, my oldest grandson is 21. Wow. Yeah. So That's great. Well, I mean, you have a great legacy that you've left for... Yes. For yourself and your kids, just to be proud of. That's yes. awesome. So I have my oldest grandson thinking about he, he's yeah. He's the one that came to me on his own. He says, Grandma, I've been thinking. He's 21. And uh, so what I tell him, I said, if this is what you really want to do, I want you to make sure that that is what you want to do because it's a whole different ball game, but also very rewarding. Yeah. Yes. So a dedication uh, for sure. Do you hate crime? Do you like money? Then call Crime Stoppers and help us arrest bad guys. By providing information that leads to an arrest or solves a felony case, you can earn up to $2,000. Call 254-753-HELP, which is 4357 for those of you that don't remember the good old days of texting. And additionally, you can now call Star Star Tips, which is way easier to remember. If you call Star Star Tips, it'll connect you to somebody in the area. And then when you hang up, it'll send you a text message where you can add additional information as you get it. Help us solve crime and make up to $2,000 in the process. That's right. By sending in a tip, it's completely anonymous. And if it leads to an arrest, you could earn up to $2,000 in a reward. And just to remind you all, tipping ain't snitching. Heck yeah. Yes. Wow. So what would you tell someone, or before we get to that, uh, what are any mis- 
conceptions, stereotypes. Like things that people look at you and you're like, and they're like, oh, she's an officer, so she eats donuts or oh, okay. something <laughs> like that, where it's like people are surprised when you tell them things aren't how they perceive Okay, or yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, I when I go to calls, you know, um, they they get to know me and once they get to know me like i said if i go to a call and it's 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 a report call and it's a very serious call i get down to that person's level and can relate depending on the call because one i have a lot of life experience i grew up in a domestic violence home um i had a child at teenage dropped out of high school uh, was a single mom and you name it so in a lot of different levels i can relate uh, so to be able to relate to that, that victim or a witness or whatnot, um, they were like, oh, wow, I didn't know an officer was that compassionate. We, while we seen officers, give me the information. Thank you. Here's a call. And, and they're gone. And so they, to me, is like them's telling me they are officers out there that are human that are not just there for their paycheck or right. not just there to take bad guys to jail. Mm -hmm. So just pretty much, did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And this is why yeah. I like, I switched the questions around because then the, what you said was going to lead me into this one, which is what would you tell the community? What, what do you want the community to know if they are confronted with an officer or in a bad situation or not, maybe it's just on the street and they're walking by or anything like that. What would you want to let the community know or what's something that they should remember when they when they see you guys out? Just remember that we're a human just like they are. Um, we do carry a lot on our plate um, as far as depending the years of service that we have out there. Um, we do see a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, def definitely our jobs are different than any other any other field out there, like let's say a, a lawyer, a doctor, or whatnot, um, just treat us like we're normal, like they are. Have a normal conversation with us because we're just like they are. Just because we're cops, it doesn't mean we're not approachable because we are. And don't approach us just to tell us we're gonna or tell your kids we're gonna take them to jail. Oh, oh yeah, you don't but, know how many times oh. I've heard that. Now, when yeah. I would get that, when I would get that at a restaurant or when I'm getting a drink, you better behave because the officer's there and she's going to take you to jail. Yeah. I would get down on my knees and talk to that child and look at that child in their, in their eyes and say, no, Officer Gomez is not going to take you to jail, but I do want you to behave and listen to your parents. But I'm not going to take you to jail. I'm the good person. I'm there to help you. Right. And then I would get up and the parents would look at me like, that like er, kind of <laughs> screech looking in their face like er, okay let me take a couple steps back right and uh so then the parents you know and so that you know and you pass out your stickers yeah. and the child is happy mm -hmm. and the parents tell me thank you you know and pretty much get them to see okay yeah because what they're doing at that point is they're making the children the fate of us right. before they even have a chance to even interact with us as they get older you know yeah. mm -hmm. so like, driving that stake of divide between the yes. police and the kids. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited for this new neighborhood engagement team position because just yesterday I went to one of the schools and um, 
met with one of the principals and said, hey, I would like to interact more with the children. I would like any full uniform. Let them know that, hey, we're, we're here for them. You know, we're, you know, we're human beings too, you know. And to say, uh, we're your friends. Uh, but And they, they were excited about that. They said, yeah, definitely. We would definitely want you to come and interact with our, the children, whether it be in music, PE, uh, or art. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm excited about that. Heck and yeah. so, yeah, pretty much teach these kids that, you know, and also give them advice, you know, always say the truth. Always, you know, there's no secrets, you know, something like that. That's something yeah. that I always preach to my, my twins. Always tell me the truth, and there's never any secrets. Yeah, you always <laughs> tell the truth. You never have to remember a lie. There you Ooh, go. Yes, there it is. that yes. is a good one. I'll yeah. remember that one. I will <laughs> definitely tell your the twins. Probably knows it. I think that was George Washington. He probably so. does. I need to talk to him. <laughs> I was talking to. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to come up with that on my own. Yes, I have a ten year old son that loves history. And, oh Aww. yes, he loves to read nothing but history. That's good. So then, yeah, he probably already knows it. Probably, I'm he probably yeah. he probably hasn't told you it because he doesn't want you to use it on yeah. him. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't put that past him. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, thank you very much, Officer Gomez, for joining us. Anything else you'd like to say or talk about before we wrap it up here? No, just thank you for your time, and um, you know, look forward to continue with this new position and meeting, um, interacting uh, with the community being more proactive than reactive. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us here on Waco PD on the Beat. I'm Sierra Shipley, the Public Information Officer. And I'm Officer AJ Smith, the Crime Stoppers Coordinator for McLennan County. Have a good one, Waco. Until next time. Waco PD on the Beat. The heartbeat serving you.